I, I see that a number of you waited until it warmed up before you came this morning. So uh, if you did it, you, it's, uh, it's interesting, the first service, we have less chairs up. It's usually a smaller service, but, uh, but, but even still, they kind of spread out. Everybody was sitting close together today. I don't know what the deal was, but uh, they came in chilly and, and were trying to warm up. Uh, you know, uh, way back when we were first getting this True North thing uh, going, and I can't remember if it was when we were meeting upstairs in the Harley dealership or when it was we were in Newell School at that time, but uh, there was a Sunday where uh, Mark Steins, who's gotten picked on merciless, mercilessly today, but, uh, which, he sh- which he should because he's nice and warm today, but he, he read us an allegory he, he, that morning. He opened us up with an allegory. And uh, I'm going to read it again this morning because it, I think, primes the pump for what we're going to be talking about, what, what the Apostle Paul talks about uh, as we continue on in this study of the, the captions in uh, 1 Corinthians. In fact, we're in 1 Corinthians 9 today. If you want to get there in your Bibles or on your devices, that's where we're going to head this morning. But let me start by reading this allegory and, and then... We'll connect the dots here. Whoop, went the wrong way. Sorry. Uh, starts off this way. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks were frequent, a crude little rescue station was built. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat. But the few devoted crewmen kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day or night, tirelessly, searching for any who might need help. Many lives were saved by their devoted efforts. After a while, the station became famous. Some of those who were saved, as well as others in the surrounding area, wanted to become part of the work. They gave time and money for its support. New boats were were bought, additional crews were trained, and the station grew. Some of the members became unhappy that the building was so crude. They felt a larger, nicer place would be more appropriate as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. So they replaced the emergency cots with hospital beds and put better furniture in the large building. And soon the station became a popular gathering place for its members to discuss the work and visit with each other. They continued to remodel and decorate until the station more and more took on the look and character of a club. Fewer members were interested in going on rescue missions, so they hired professional crews to do the work on their behalf. <coughs> Excuse me. The rescue motif still prevailed on club emblems and stationery, and there was a liturgical lifeboat in the room where the club held its initiations. One day a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in many boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty and bruised and sick, and some had black and yellow skin. The beautiful new club was, a ter- was terribly messed up, and so the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside where the shipwrecked victims could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop rescue activities altogether as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. <coughs> Excuse me. Some members insisted on keeping rescue as their primary purpose and pointed out that after all, they were still called a rescue station. But those members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own station down the coast somewhere, which they did. But as the years went by, the new station gradually faced the same problems the other one had experienced. It too became a club, 
and its rescues, rescue work became less and less of a priority. A few members who remained dedicated to life-saving began another station, and history continued to repeat itself. And if you visit that coast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. Now, you may listen to that story and you're think, and maybe thinking to yourself, boy, I tell you, if, uh, for a church that's getting ready to do a remodel project, that's probably not the story you want to read. But if that's the way it hits you, I think you miss the point. There was nothing wrong with uh, saying, you know, we're bringing these people in, we're rescuing them, and, and we're sticking on these cots, and we need to get better beds for them to heal in. There's nothing wrong with getting hospital beds instead. There was nothing wrong with saying, we need more room so as we rescue more people, and so we need the large. There's nothing wrong with saying, we want a nice environment for, for those people to regain their health and grow in. None of that was wrong. The problem was that somewhere along the process of making those improvements, initially under the reasoning of wanting to do a better job of rescuing, somewhere along the way, they lost their purpose. And it quit being about rescue, and it started being about the club. And that's his point there, and it's really interesting because we're in a, we've been in a discussion on the health of a church. And in, as Paul's been looking at this church in Corinth, which as we dug into it is, is anything but a healthy church. They are, they are a mess. They're dysfunctional. They've lost track of who they are. They're fighting. They're struggling. And so Paul's been spending all this time saying, Here, here's what you need to do if you're going to be healthy as a church. And then that that splashes over, and here's what you need to do if you're going to be healthy as an individual. Here's how you grow up together. And, and we've so been spending all this time talking about what it means to be about a healthy church. But we're going to see this morning that Paul's purpose, main purpose is we need to be healthy so we're ready to rescue. Now, if you were here last week, you, we dug into to, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and, and here's one of the verses that represents kind of what Paul was talking about. He, he was worried that he's in this church, and remember, we talked a little bit about the background of this church, and in fact, the area, the Corinth area. We talked about it, it, it was a, a remarkable city. It was a port city, but, you know, unlike some port cities where, you know, you come into uh, to a port and you're on a sea, it was a dividing point between two seas and between two continents, two areas, and so it was just a remarkable place, very wealthy city as a result, a lot of, lot of the, you know, the, the best that the world had to offer you could find in this city because of its location, it was remarkable. Uh, it was also a city known for the worship of a particular goddess, the goddess Aphrodite, and all that went along with that, and a, and a lot of it had the, the most beautiful large tea for one of, the, one of the wonders of the world in that day for this goddess, and, and folks would, would worship there. The city was encompassed in this type of worship. A lot of immorality went on with that worship, and so all these things were taking place, and, and then as Paul brought the good news to this group, people started being saved and coming to know that God loved them and, and, and accepted that gift of forgiveness and were adopted in his family and then joined the church and, and became a part of this church. But they're coming from all these different backgrounds. And Paul's main message last week is 
We're coming from all kinds of backgrounds, and we all have our own habits and hang-ups. We, we all have our history, some of our history. We have some wonderful things that, that have gone into making us who we are. We've also walked through some painful things that, that we carry with us, that there's hurts and, and hang-ups and things that we will struggle with, maybe for all of our life. And, and they're all part of who God has brought together in this church, Corinth, but in our church as well. And he says, so in that remembering that, as you deal with each other, deal with an area where you don't exercise your freedom in a way that causes harm to your brother or sister. And in his analogy there, he used the, the remember the illustration of meat that had been offered in this temple to Aphrodite, idol meat. And if you remember correctly, he talks about the fact that, you know, you, this meat would be offered to this idol and people would bring the best meat to do that, but then they would actually, there's a restaurant it's like because he talks about eating at the temple and you could go and if you really, some night, you know, you wanted to go on a nice date and, and you wanted a really good steak, you'd go there to get your steak. Well, the problem with that for, for some, and, and Paul says this, he says, those of you who are in the know, you recognize that that meat was idle to nothing. That, she's not a real goddess. You know, she's just an image, and it doesn't mean a thing. She can't do a thing. It took human hands to make her, and you can pray all you want. She's not going to make a difference in your life. And, and some of you are in the know, so you're looking at it, and you're saying, so the meat offered to her hasn't been impacted at all. And so you're like, you know, so why not take advantage? Why not get the best, you know? Let's go to the nicest restaurant. And he said, but, but you recognize there are some within your church family that that was their life. Their life was wrapped up in that temple worship, in the immorality that went with it. And so when they see that meat, even though you know it's just meat, but when they see that meat, it floods them with all these memories and these painful experiences that are part of their past. And and what you may do if you're not careful is you may cause them to stumble back into uh, that sinful lifestyle or, or maybe just cause them to go contrary to what their conscience is telling them, what God's trying to tell them is healthy for them. And so he says, so in that process, recognize that. And as part of a healthy church, one of the, the best signs is that you're very sensitive to each other. You love each other. You recognize that, you know, just because I have a freedom to listen to whatever kind of music I wanted, there may be others who have, that music has a history for them. And so I, I care enough about my brother or sister. All kinds of analogies you could come up with. All for the purpose, from Paul's perspective, of being healthy church. He says, be willing to give up your freedom, things that you have a right to do, if you need to for the sake of loving your brother or your sister well. And that's, that's part of health. And that's one of the, it falls right in line with this. As Paul asks that question, what's the greatest commandment? He says, to love God, Lord God, with all your heart, and to love each other as yourself. And, he, and later on, he's going to say to his disciples, there's a new commandment I've given you, and if you fulfill this one commandment, every other commandment will be fulfilled in the process, and that is love one another. And then he goes on and says, and that's what will make a difference to a world that is watching is how well you love each other. And so he's all, all this is wrapped up in this discussion of what a healthy church looks like. And now as we move into chapter 9, Paul says, let me give you an example from my own life of how important I believe this is to recognize that even though I may have the freedom for something, it doesn't mean I should do it. And so he digs into his own life. He says, am I not free 
And we say, well, yeah, you're free. Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? And you may look at that and say, well, man, he's kind of boasting a little bit, sounding off, say, hey, let me, let me share my credentials with you. You know, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and, you know, I got straight A's. If you want to see, you know, my manuscripts, I could show them to you. That's not what's going on. But Paul was, in his ministry, was constantly plagued by individuals who questioned whether or not he was really an apostle. And if you know his history, you know why. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, his, his history was there was a point where he po- opposed the, the, the body of Christ, Christians. He opposed what was called the way back in those days. Even helped organize some of their being um, martyred for their faith. So, so then he comes to Christ and, and he meets the resurrected Jesus, which is what brought him to Christ. And the resurrected Jesus commissioned him to be an apostle as we looked at that a while back. But there are always those who said, wait a minute, you know, I don't know if this is really true. And what he's run into is, he's actually, as he's been sent by God to start churches in different areas, which is mainly what his ministry was, and, and help them establish and help them get healthy, he's actually run into a situation, well, you'll get a feel for it as he goes on. He says, don't we have a right to food and drink? And you're saying, wait a minute, of course you do. What are you talking about? You have a right to food and drink. Well, he says, okay, let me go on. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who, who plants a vineyard and does not get to eat of the grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk? He says, you know, if, if you're serving in the military, <coughs> as you do it, they don't make you go out and, and earn a living. Plus, they take care of you so you can serve. Someone who has a flock of sheep, he gets to, to get the milk from the flock as well as what he sells out there. He says, that's just normal, everyday stuff. Everybody has that freedom to, you know, if you're, if you're working a job, then your purpose is to make a living, to survive off of what you're doing. He says, that's, that's natural. He says, well, let's go into the world of religion. Do you not know that those who work in the temple and get their food from the temple, those who serve at the altar, share in what is offered on the altar? He says, this is established in the church as well. When God moves on individuals' heart and places them into a full-time ministry-type field, then they have a right, they can expect that they be taken care of by the people they're serving in that, in that, on that behalf. He says, That's, this is normal, everyday stuff. But what Paul's run into is there are people saying, I don't think he's really an apostle, so we don't have to take care of him. And, and so he's gotten this position here where he's trying to survive, trying to serve his God and minister and do the things that God has called him to do, and yet not being provided for in the process. And it put him in a position where he actually he had to take on a side job to, to be able to continue to do the ministry for a portion of the time when he was in ministry. And, and so you know, here's the question. So Paul's saying all this because the reality is what he has done in this, when he's run into this one church who says, we're not going to do that for you because we're, we, we don't think you have the credentials, even though you say you do. And, and he says, don't I have a right to this thing? Yes, you have a right. But Paul has given up that right. He's going to talk to us why in a moment. But he's given it up. And so if this whole thing, he's all, all this conversation about how to keep a church healthy, and now he's saying in this situation... I have given up to write to be supported in my ministry. And so the question you've got to ask yourself, well, wait a minute, is that healthy for that church? 
I would tend to say, no, it's not, you're not setting a healthy precedent. Years ago, I, I spoke at a uh, pastor's conference uh, uh, in the D.C. area. I was invited to preach at the, speak at this conference, and it was really interesting. The guy who spoke before me was a pastor, and he'd been in a church for, for quite some time, and he spent a portion of his speech, uh, and this is my qualification, bragging about the, why, the fact that for, uh, all, for several years he'd been at, preaching at this church and he had never, ever taken a salary. And he's, and he's talking to all these pastors, he's saying, and, you know, and he's putting that forward as if that's, that he's a little bit, at least here's the way it hit me, I'm a little bit godlier than you. I'm, I, you know, because I'll actually, I'll actually be, I'll pastor this church and I'll refuse a salary. Well, Come to find out, yeah, because he was independently wealthy. He didn't need a salary. And as I'm listening to this, and I'm the next one up to speak, and it's like I'm, I'm really trying to, I'm, I'm kind of reworking my whole message because I'm really, because I'm thinking, what are you, is, are you, what are you doing to the next guy that follows in your footsteps in that church? And now you've trained this church to, to, to see that they, they don't need to take care of their leader. And, and so now you're setting him up. You know, how are they going to find a pastor even that, has, that can do that? Because not all of them out there, most of them out there don't, you know. And, and so I was really frustrated with God. And, and, I, and so I see this thing, and here's Paul saying, you know, all this time I've been talking about the health of the church. But in this situation, I probably didn't do what was the most healthy because I chose to let them get away with not doing what I rightfully should have had, being taken care of in my ministry. And you're saying, well, well, man, Paul, that's probably not a very healthy thing to do for that church. That's, I don't know that you're training them right. But here's Paul's point, and, we're, and it's, it's, a, it's a big point. He says it's not all about the health of the church. In fact, here's the point he's going to make in a moment. The health of the church is not about all about the health of the church. Well, why have you spent all this time talking about this? You know, why, Apostle Paul, why did you write all this stuff in this Corinth letter? Paul Kennedy, why are you, if you've, wait, you've spent all these weeks talking about how to be a healthy church, and now you're telling us that it's really not about the health of the church. No, it's not. It's about something even more important. What's going on here? What's Paul trying to say? Where is he pointing us? He's saying it's not about the health of the church. It's about being healthy so we can rescue. That's what God has in mind. He needs us to be healthy so that we can rescue. Paul goes on. He said, we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. You see, for Paul, here was the, here was the, here's what the tension for him. Did he have a right to be supported? He did. He could have, man, he could have raised a stink, you know, taken it to the church fathers. You know, put it in the local newspaper. My, our, this church is not taking care of me. You know, remember we talked about this church was so happy. Could have sued the church because they hadn't taken response. He could have done all these things, and yet he said, no, I'm going to give up my right in, on this situation, even though it's probably not the most healthy thing for this church. But here's the bigger problem. Here's the bigger issue, not the problem. Here's the bigger issue. I don't want to do anything 
that might hinder the gospel of Jesus Christ. He could have raised a stink, but what would that have done to the watching community? See, that's where Paul's heart is. What about all those people out there that are watching this church? And now they see that their leader is openly calling in question their actions and publicizing it. He says, the bigger thing for me was, is, 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 the health of the church is important, but the main reason we want to be healthy is so that we can rescue. And, and so here's the question. I got ahead of myself on my slide. I've already given you the answer. I hate it when I do that. <laughs> but let me ask you this. As we've been talking about the health of the church, if God's, if God's biggest reason for wanting us to be healthy, if, if, God's, if God's desire is he's saying, okay, here, here's what I want. I want you to be healthy. I'm trying to help you so you reach a point where sin's not an issue in your life, where by by my grace I'll help you be strong. I I want you to get in a place where you're loving each other well, uh, where you're serving each other, where you're tenderhearted towards each other. I want to get you in a place where, you know, you you don't have, you just have a confidence in me like like you just trust me in, in all accounts for all situations and all occasions. If that's God's biggest concern for you and I as part of the church, let me ask you this. When is that actually going to happen when all those things are answered for us? No more sickness, no more tears, no more struggle, no more sin. Complete unity, never a disagreement. Our focus will all will be on God. That will be our desire. Where is that going to take place? You can answer out loud if you want to, if you, if you know the answer. Anyone know the answer? Heaven. So if God's primary purpose for us as True North Church is he wants us to be healthy, and that is, the end of the, and that is an end in itself, that that was his primary purpose to cause us to be healthy Christians, why didn't he just take us home? Because if he took me home to heaven, and that was his biggest deal, is, Paul, I want you to be a healthy believer. I want you to no longer have an issue with sin. I want you to love in a godly way. I want to put all these things in place. If he just took me to heaven the moment I came to Christ, mission would have been accomplished. I'd be exactly where he wants me to be, and I will be someday, and so will you if you know Jesus Christ. See, being a healthy church as big a priority as it is, it is simply a means to an end. And why is that important? It's important for this reason, because often in the church, we forget this part of it. And church becomes about church. And we become a club. Look where Paul goes next. Let me read you. And, and this is where he says, okay, I've had this whole conversation about the health of a church to get us to this point. Listen to what he says about himself. I'm actually going to start in verse 19. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. Who's he talking about there? That unbelieving world out there. That unbelieving world. To the Jews, I became like a Jew. Why? To win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Although I myself am not under the law. So as to win those under the law. 
To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak. To, the, to win the weak, I become all things to all men that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in his blessing. You see, he wants us to be healthy as a church not as the end, but as a means to an end so that we can rescue the world around us. And that's why a church can never get into this posture where we make decisions based on what's best for just us as a church. Yeah, are we supposed to be healthy? We are. We need to be healthy. We need to love each other well. We need to make sure we're studying the Word and growing our relationship with God. But we do all of that so that we can be always ready and able to rescue. There are, there are no decisions that we make as a church where somewhere in that equation, in the back of our minds is, is this going to help us rescue? Because the moment we lose the track of that, we become a club. And I don't want to be a club. And so, as we think things through, Paul says, all this conversation about the health of churches, I want you to be healthy so that you're ready and able to rescue. So that a watching world looks at us as a body of believers at the Corinth church and says, oh, how they love each other. I wonder what it is they know that I don't know so that we can lead them towards our loving Father. And that's why there's no decisions that, you know, even here we're talking about this remodeling project. We've got to think in terms of that remodeling project into, in the terms of, okay, how do, we, how do we do something like that in a way that rescues? And what does that mean? That's got to be part of the conversation. Everything we do, we need to be healthy so that we can rescue. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word on this, this reminder, this, this thing that so often churches lose somewhere in the process. They start off this way. That's why they get started. They want, they want to rescue. And then somewhere down the road, they start losing track, and it becomes about the church. We lose track of, of your heart. Your heart, you, if, if it was all about us being healthy, you'd take us home because that's where we're going to be healthy. We're not even going to have the battles anymore. It's going to be done. It's, it's not just about us being healthy. It's about us being healthy so we can rescue those that are lost. And Lord, it's, going to, it's always, it is so easy for a church to lose track of that. And then we're just a club. So I pray for us, Lord. I pray as we're, we're in this process, as we're thinking about so many things in regard to who we are as a church, and, and even, even things that, you know, so often on the spiritual front don't seem like huge things. They're they're, you know, bricks and mortar and paint. And, and yet, as we think that process through, Lord, help us to always have in our heart, we want to do this in a way that makes us better at rescuing. Thanks for using Paul to move into our life and recalibrate us because we need that once in a while. Thanks for this day, for your love for us, for letting us be part of your family. We pray these things in your son's name.
It's a new song we've been learning over the past month, so sing along as you know it. Walking around these walls I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You've never seen that one more time. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness, still in your hands. This is my confidence, you've never failed me yet. Oh, you've never failed me yet, and I never Thanks so much for worshiping with us. You sounded great. We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Stop.